Now it's time for Girl Talk with Julie Buck and Nicole Genovese on the Big 550 KTRS. The Big 550 KTRS, welcome to Girl Talk. I'm Max Foisey, and on today's show, you will hear many conversations with the one and only Julie Buck. As she hosts Girl Talk today, we're going to talk about Marriage Week, which is happening right now. We'll visit with Nellie Olson herself from Little House on the Prairie, who's coming to St. Louis, and we kick it off with a conversation that John Carney and Julie Buck had with Dr. Allison Walsh. Julie's talked about someone on the show plenty of times, and it's not just, hi, Julie Buck for da 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 da. There is a personal connection here, and I have had a front row seat to watch her transform, uh, in no small part, to our guest, Dr. Allison Walsh. So, thanks. She's more pleasant to be around. Yeah, now, too. she uh, was grumpy. You think I'm nicer in the last couple of years, Carney? In the right light. Okay. But yeah, yeah in the right. <laughs> Dr. Allison Walsh is an OBGYN, and she also started Women's Lifestyle Solutions. And you can meet with her via telehealth or in person. We're lucky enough that she's here in St. Louis, Missouri. And I got to know her a couple of years ago, just a quick backstory, right at the beginning of COVID. And I felt like things were kind of out of control for me, where I was with my age and in my hormone journey. And then um, my weight was out of control. I had packed on some pounds and that's something I've struggled with my whole life. In comes Dr. Walsh. And I'm, I remember the moment sitting on my front porch thinking, I hope this works. And it did. And she has helped me in so many ways. So I always like to thank you, Dr. Walsh. I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but I feel like you've done so much for me and I just, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for having me back first and foremost. And as always, my pleasure. I love helping people to be the best version of themselves and really get back to feeling like themselves if they are experiencing a departure from, you know, how they like to be. Right. And for me, this is um, what I've always wanted to feel because of the the weight loss for me, which has been, I'm going to say it again, Carney, a bee in my bonnet uh, since childhood. And uh, you've helped many members of of my family. And uh, there are lots of different tools now. And a lot of people are talking about um, ZepBound, which is one of the newer drugs. There's been Ozempic, um, Monjuro, and now uh, tell us about ZepBound and how people can lose weight with that. Sure. So ZepBound is the latest addition from Eli Lilly, and it is the same active ingredient as the diabetes version Manjaro that came out about two years ago. And so what has happened is much like the Ozempic Wegovi uh, transition, Manjaro did additional studies that demonstrated safety and efficacy for weight loss in individuals who were not diabetic on their active ingredient terzepatide. And as of last fall, we had FDA approval for ZepBound. So very exciting because those of us that work in the obesity medicine space have been using Manjaro and terzepatide off-label for a couple years now to help people like Julie who've struggled lifelong with uh, food and weight to shed those unwanted pounds and be their very best selves. And now we have verification from the FDA that this drug indeed, much like the Ozempic Wegovy transition, is safe to use 
for that indication. So that's been super exciting. And also, practically speaking, it's been essential because as Manjaro has been on the market now 18, 24 months, we're seeing those discount coupons expire. And as has been well covered in the press and the media, these drugs are super expensive and indicated for long-term use. So the new launch with ZepBound has allowed us to extend access to those uh, commercial discount cards to more folks so that they can also experience the transformation you've enjoyed. Yeah, that's that's the best news. I feel like the more people that know about it, the better. So I tend to come up with questions that take us into the weeds a little bit, but it's on topic and Julie's panicking. I am. Um, <laughs> so part of your job, when somebody comes in, they may have tried to lose weight with 80 different programs. It worked for a while and then it, they stopped eating out of a pouch and the weight came back. There's been pressure from the parents. They were teased as a kid and they're not getting teased as adults, but face it, people are judging them quietly. So how much of what you do is cracking that psychological egg that people have and the chip on their shoulder for feeling that way? So I I talk a lot with people, especially in our early sessions, about the multifactorial nature of weight uh, as a disease process. So there's a metabolic component. That's where you see hormones, cortisol, and insulin playing into shifts in weight. There is a behavioral and a dietary component, certainly. So the choices people are making on a day-to-day basis are impactful. And lastly, and especially specializing in women's weight loss, I spend a lot of time on this. There is the psychological component because for most women who've struggled with weight for decades, uh, this is a loaded topic to, to your point. Um, And there's a lot to unpack there. Oftentimes, family of origin issues can be a part of that. And so we we get into how long has this been going on? What have you tried in the past? What's worked? What hasn't worked? What's the most you've ever lost? How long did you keep it off? And a lot of what I try to do is normalize weight as a chronic disease state for folks, much like hypertension or high cholesterol. When I talk to a patient about their high blood pressure, um, it's just, well, I, you know, my mom had it, my grandma had it, and now I take medicine for it too. It, it's not upsetting. And so I try to help them to understand their weight in that same context that, hey, the, the gun was loaded genetically. You add the standard American diet to the mix and changes in gut microbiome, and then all the natural processes that women undergo aging. So, you know, go ahead, have three kids, gain 30 pounds and lose it three times. Now go through menopause, but but don't gain any weight. That's unrealistic. Yes. And so whatever helping you do, don't talk that. about it, right? Yeah, the, exactly. Whatever you do, don't mention it. Just, right. Just go on as if everything's <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it is a lot, and it's a lot on our bodies, and a lot of people say, you know, I don't... Like somebody's texting and now saying, I don't, I don't know if you should shoot yourself up with, with medication is always the best answer. Well, I, I would agree that that isn't always the best answer. And that's certainly not where we started. Um, Abs- absolutely. So my approach to this problem is multifactorial because it is a multifactorial problem. So medication is a component for many patients, not all. 
But the majority of the time I spend with patients after the initial uh, blood work review and initial interview is spent on nutrition counseling. It is. so, And Julie can kind of attest from going through that, but helping people to learn about nutrition. Unfortunately, um, our children aren't learning this in school growing up. People don't understand about nutritional composition of food. So teaching people how to read labels, encouraging them to do so. And then eventually, as people adapt uh, more nutrient-dense eating habits, helping people to start looking at the ingredient component of the label and start eliminating preservatives, dyes, chemicals, uh, other additives that we we are increasingly aware are making our guts sick. They're staying in our systems. They're changing our metabolism. So trying to get people down to less than five ingredients and all things you can pronounce. I try to bring it to people in an accessible way, but ultimately trying to get you to eat whole fresh foods. Yeah. You know, and it's getting into a cycle and picking up the good habits. It's been long said that if you lose 80 pounds in an hour and keep it off for a few weeks, that's worse than just staying fat. Is that true? And why? Um, So what I would say is rapid weight loss, by definition, is not always a bad thing. So in some individuals who have a lot of weight to lose, rapid weight loss at the beginning of their journey can actually be an okay or a good thing when they're looking at a large amount of total weight loss as the aim. To your second point, uh, a sustainable approach to the weight loss is essential because the part that's bad is the yo-yo. So the speed with which the weight comes off is relevant, but not absolutely necessary that that be slow. Keeping the weight off by adapting by adopting good nutritional habits and also, frankly, for a lot of people, ongoing medication use. And this doesn't mean max dose injected meds for the rest of your life. This means temporizing your medication needs based on your disease state, much like A high blood pressure patient may be on three meds when they weigh 250 pounds and we get them down to one med if they lose 50 pounds. Well, your weight is not dissimilar. So it's tailoring your medication, your diet, your exercise, and kind of your psychological state, your mental health. It's it's bringing it all to bear and managing it chronically to avoid the yo-yo because, yes, that up and down wreaks havoc on your metabolism because our bodies are masterful adapters. And they want to keep us safe, which means they want to keep us at our highest set point, generally speaking, because they want to prevent us from starvation. Mm -hmm. So when we cut calories, our body perceives a lack of food and it slows down our metabolism and response over a period of months to accommodate that so that we're protected, we're safe. So when you do an extreme diet, you'll see a subsequent slowdown in metabolism down the line that sets up the regain. Yeah. So you have to be mindful of all these aspects and chronically manage it to prevent that, avoid that. So you are in this space of, of weight loss and women's health and hormone balancing, and you, you're an OBGYN. I mean, you also deliver babies and do all of those things. So, I mean, what do you think most women... Um, when they go through menopause, what what is the number one thing that people come to you and say, well, I didn't know this was going to happen, and, and how stunned are they when they find out that there are actual answers to night sweats and mood changes and things like that? I think a lot of people are surprised at the 
just all-encompassing effects of menopause. I think many women knew, oh, my mom mentioned she had hot flashes. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not surprised to see that. And they take that as the hallmark of the impending menopause. But what they're not expecting is the sleep disturbance, the weight gain, the brain fog, the loss of lean muscle mass, the energy uh, decrease, joint pain, kind of that just my whole body, I don't feel like myself and I feel like I'm 100 years old out of nowhere. That's the part that people come in and they're surprised by. And when we're able to talk about how hormone replacement, especially at the onset of menopause, can be safe and effective in managing these symptoms and keeping people feeling good, um, the the relief in the room when we have that discussion for a lot of these ladies is palpable because they're like, oh, mm-hmm. thank God, I don't have to keep feeling like this. And really for me, the second session is the most fun when they come back after they have yeah. started therapy and they're, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm sleeping again. I feel like a human again. Yeah. It's- so I, I'm a parting question back in the weeds again for me. Hi, it's John. Um, do you watch Thousand Pound Sisters? I don't. I don't think she has time. We're back on board with that show. Okay. And and they're all morbidly (laughs) obese. And it's really sad. It's beyond. But the doctors are working with them and they're taking their shots and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And they come back three weeks later and they've lost six pounds and the doctor's thrilled. I mean, somebody who's already gotten to that point, are they going to be able to get down to a... And that's an extreme weight. situation. I mean, sure. I, I That is a, a very extreme situation. And because of the extreme nature of the weight they've carried and the length of time they've carried it, the aberrations in their metabolism and their just general biochemistry systems within their body, I mean, I would anticipate, I don't treat these people, I don't know, but I would anticipate... <laughs> that they have a lot of abnormalities they're fighting against. And so when you're in that extreme of a situation, I mean, I, I think it's very difficult to predict the long-term results. Um, but, but you there's will a get high a TV risk. show out of it. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Okay. I did not even know this existed, so <laughs> now I'm going to have to go check it out. Oh, yeah. I my friends are ample, too. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. Do you want to ask her the other question about the pizza that you were, that you wanted to know the answer to? What would she do if, if a pizza showed up here with my name on it? You're, you're all talk. I don't, she, I don't know what be, she's talking before about. Before she comes Doc. into the studio. He's, like, no threatening to order an Emo's and, and have my name on it. And I, and I said, I think she would say... That's probably okay in moderation once in a while, but try to do protein first. Absolutely. So I would I would tell you to pair it with a fibrous green salad if possible first. So eat your salad first, then have your pizza second. And yeah, you know, there's no food that's off limits, okay? Everything has its time and its place. We talk about daily foods. We talk about weekly foods, monthly foods, rare foods. Um, there really isn't anything that... I guess I could think of something, but there are a few never foods. So when people come in and they tell me, oh, I was bad. I had fries. I say, you weren't bad. Did you enjoy the fries? They say, yes. They say, good. I said, more important, what did you eat with the fries? And did you take the opportunity to share the fries with your significant other? Did you portion control it? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, share. Share the love. Share the love. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, we're talking to Dr. Allison Walsh from St. Louis Women's Lifestyle Solutions. You can call her office and make an appointment. You can meet with her in person. You can meet virtually. Here's the number, 314-919-9998. That's 314-919-9998. Or you can go to STL Women's Lifestyle Solutions. Dot com, Dr. Allison Walsh. Now back to Girl Talk with Julie and Nicole on KTRS. Love is in the air this time of year. This is the Big 550 KTRS, the talk of St. Louis. I'm Julie Buck. Nicole Genovese is out this week, but Maximilian is here with us. Love is in the air. It is. And Arlene Pelican is with us today to talk about National Marriage Week in the U.S. How are you? I'm doing great. I love that love is in the air. <laughs> I, I do, too. It's a lot better than a lot of other things being in the air. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about what Marriage Week is all about. Let's have you explain, because I think that you know the most about it. Yes. Well, Marriage Week, think of it like, you know, it's ice cream day or it's recycle day or it's Earth Day. You know, it is a time that's set aside to say, you know what, marriage, it, it takes a lot of uh, insults a lot of times in our culture, but this is a week where we say, you know what, this marriage thing, this is a good thing. It's good for us. It's good for families. It's good for our country. So it's a fun day to say we want to celebrate marriages. We want to support the marriages that are out there that are say, to say, hey, what you're doing is, is a really good thing. And committing to, to a person and to saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be witness to your life. I'm going to support you. I'm going to keep the vows I made. Like all of those things are really good things. So National Marriage Week is February 7th to 14th. And it's a time for people to say, hey, marriage is a good thing and to find resources to help them in their marriages. You know, call me a traditionalist, but you're a traditionalist. This sounds awfully <laughs> sweet. I know. I love this. I think it's fantastic. I I am fully on board here. I'm going on 28 years, knock on everything. It is a lot of yes. work. It is a roller coaster of emotions sometimes. It's a lot of grace on both sides of the yeah. fence. Um, but at the end of the day, there's really nothing more valuable than being able to raise your family as a married couple for many years and to know the memories that only the two of you share for so long. Yeah. And I think to show that this is doable, like I think a lot of times people will hear that and think like, wow, it sounds so impossible. Like, how do we get there? How could I ever do this? This couldn't happen for me. And, you know, I have a podcast called The Happy Home, and I always love to end it. You don't have to come from a happy home to create one that you can learn so good. things mm -hmm. of being together. And, and like you're saying, there's a great payoff. If you will keep to that commitment, the theme of National Marriage Week this, this year is love beyond words. And it's just thinking about the vows that you make for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, that these aren't just words like, like, I'm actually going to do these things. And when we faithfully show up, there's just so many benefits to your life. I would say that the first couple years of marriage were the most difficult in my mind, yeah. just because we were so young. And I, I feel like there's, I, we really didn't know each other. I mean, we came from yes. two totally different backgrounds and we're trying to come up with our own way and tradition of doing things. So it can be super difficult, but 
I think now our marriage is better now than than it was at the beginning because it just was like, wait, I got to tell you that I'm spending one on what with my, you know, I mean, it, it's a, it's it's a true partnership, and I think yes. it has to be that, and everybody has their role, and it takes a long time to figure out what everybody is supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're in that spot that it's like, man, what is going on? Just hang in there because you're going to hit those rhythms. You're going to get to those compromises. You're going to figure out the allocation of, hey, it's better if you do this and I do this. And we talk about the five love languages at National Marriage Week with Dr. Gary Chapman. And it could just be that you are a words of affirmation person, that that's how you feel loved. Like, let my spouse say I love you. But your spouse, they are an active service person. And so all they're doing, they're washing your car and they're like bringing you coffee and they're doing all these nice things, but they never say anything to you. And you feel like, man, this person doesn't even love me. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is just learning. Oh, you're a words person. I need to just say also, I love you. And oh, you're an active service person. I should probably like make dinner for you. That would make you feel really loved. I just saw the comedian Leanne Morgan. Do you ever follow her? She's very funny. I don't. And yeah, she, that sounds good. I'll look. I'll look. She's just did a whole thing on the love language and the love language of Chuck Morgan, her husband. And she goes into How this funny. whole thing. And she's and when he gives her the love language that she likes, whatever it was, then she yeah. said that prepares her to know that she's going to have to do something really nasty with him later. <laughs> Exactly. This is, she's like, I know how this goes. I know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but look that one up. It's funny. Okay, so let's get back to uh, celebrating marriage. And I don't think, you know, I don't think in, in modern day times it's looked at like it used to be. I don't think that young people are getting out of college and thinking, well, the next step is marriage, which is good right. and bad. It's like it is probably good to go spend a few years figuring out who you are before you go commit yeah. your life to somebody. On the other hand, there's a time and a place where you want to start that partnership so that you can grow together as life marches on. Yeah, it's so true. And you know, the marriage rate has fallen since 1970, it's fallen 65%. And what they're looking at is the number of newly married people per 1,000 people. And what this plays out in the future is that one in three young adults will never marry. So thinking through that, like, my goodness, like one in three, that's a lot. And, and to think forward, like at this time, it might feel like that's not a big deal because all your peers, they're not married either. But, I, you know, you just kind of look, well, wait, when you're 40, 60, 80, This means that you probably don't have children. You may not have nieces and nephews. And that's kind of, you can see like, well, that's a little bit of a lonely road. So I I agree with you that for young people to realize, you know what, this marriage thing, maybe this is something I should look into because we're so into happiness, right? We're just like, go to college. It'll make you happy. Get that perfect job with a good salary. It'll make you happy. And, And yes, these things may make you happy. But what Brad Wilcox found at the University of Virginia was if you go to college, you get a 64 boost, 64% boost in happiness. If you have a higher income, 88%. If you have work satisfaction, 145% boost. Awesome. But if you're married, just plain married, you get a 151% boost in happiness. And if you're married and you have a good marriage, you get a 545% boost in happiness. So these are those, those happiness. I'll take that. Things. Yeah, that right, that we're not great. telling that we're not telling to kids to say, "Hey, grow up have, and work on having a good marriage," and that happiness will be a byproduct. And it is a lot of work, and and you don't no no one says that to you when you're a little girl. You dream of the yeah. the dress and the whole thing, and 
And even changing your name could be difficult and not not for you. I mean, you don't have to do that. But I love that that you're talking about this on your podcast called The Happy Home. And you obviously feel passionate about being married and we need to celebrate it. And for National Marriage Week, which is happening in the 7th through the 14th, That's I, right. I, I think it's really an important thing to talk about because we talk about so many other things, but nobody really talks about how this can be the one thing that can really be a great foundation for your life. Yeah, you think of how much work do you put into your work, right? Into your career, into learning, into reading new things and going to conferences and doing all those things. And those are all good things. But to realize, oh, my relationship, that's not going to just work on autopilot. I'm going to have to do something about that. But the payoff is totally there. And so at National Marriage Week, we just talk about that rhythm of connecting daily, dating weekly or regularly, and getting away regularly. I always like to tell people if they shoot for that, like, you know, hey, we're going to date once a week, they'll probably hit twice a month, and that's going to be just fine. (laughs) Exactly. Great point. We had... um... Many years ago, we have twin sons that are, and then another one 22 months later. So we had three in diapers at one time. Wow. And we made it a religious thing that every Saturday, whether it was yeah. my mom or somebody in the neighborhood or two people, if we needed two people to watch all three babies, that we made sure that we got out. And I feel like that's how we made it through some yes. of those more difficult years because we just had so yeah. much responsibility. Uh, on all yeah. fronts coming at us from all sides. And if you don't take the time to to get out there and to, and to have some memories, make some memories with your loved one, and especially to get away, I, I will say yeah. that. That is, uh, that's really important. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go to Europe for two weeks. You can go. You don't have to, you could do 24 hours. I always love to say just one hour from where you live, there has got to be somewhere nice. <laughs> you know, that there you really does. Either, either a favorite place or somewhere you've never been. But 24 hours away will do a world of wonder. And your kids, like your little kids, they will not remember that you were gone for 24 hours. Like, you know, when you left your babies, they they don't remember that. But your spouse will remember that, hey, you were important enough to me that I knew I had to still do fun things with you. My kids don't even remember when I took them to Disney World, so I doubt they're going to remember that I went out for dinner. You say that it provides the best environment for raising children offering them a better chance at life. Expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So when you are married, you're a, you're giving your kids an example of like, Hey, you can be in a stable, loving, healthy relationship and it can bless you your whole life. You're giving them this model to like, wow, I I could maybe enjoy that too. Uh, You're there's uh, you're helping them. You're shielding them from poverty. You know, a lot of we could reduce poverty by 25% if we had the marriage rates that we used to in the 1970s, that if you have a two-parent home that's stable, the likelihood of you going uh, being impoverished, is it just slashed. Uh, you know, the likelihood of you getting into drugs or getting into the wrong crowd or being uh, sexually active before it's the right time, you know, all those things. All those things are reduced if you come from a two-parent loving home. Now, that doesn't mean that single parents cannot crush it in all those areas because they can, but it's much easier when you have two people working towards this good um, with a family and that the child knows that, hey, this part of my life is okay, and now I can just like start growing all the other parts of my life instead of, well, I think my parents are going to divorce, or now I'm having to adjust to just living with my dad or just living with my mom. It's a lot, of course, for a child to process. It really is. National Marriage Week, Love Beyond Words campaign. 
daily connections, weekly dates, regular getaways, and that's just part of the formula. If you want more about The Happy Home, you can listen to The Happy Home with Arlene Pellicane. Thank you so much for spending time with us today on The Big 550. It's been a lot of fun, Julie, and people can go to marriageweek.org to find some new date ideas. Marriageweek.org. We'll take a break and come back on the Big 550 KTRS. Now back to Girl Talk with Julie and Nicole on KTRS. Sure, the spring bad memories of the life that you probably lived growing yes, up. Yes, and doing I'm your just, own laundry. I'm doing the heart shaped symbol with my hands right now. It's lovely. I thought you had a cramp. No. I wasn't sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to run down a rolling field. Me too. You know? Yeah. You never did that? I wanted to go in the covered wagon and yeah. be at the store and the well, restaurant. Michael Lennon to be my dad. Yeah. This whole thing. Really? Mm hmm. Okay, yeah. I wanted Bill Bixby. Seamless <laughs> uh, working woman survival show back for year 37. Yeah, there'll be food, fashion stuff, fitness, other events going on. But here's why you should go. Because uh, the featured attraction, Allison Arngrim is with us from Little House on the Prairie and excited about you coming to town. Yes, I'm excited too. I have not done uh, the Working Woman Show yet, um, and so so it's a first for me. But as I said, it's 37 years for them. Uh, so this is this going to be a blast. I mean, just hearing your voice is really making me very happy and freaking me out in a good way because it just it brings back so many memories. No, I mean you sound. Exactly the same. Which it's I, so weird. The, you know, I've, as I've told people, I've been recognized over the phone. You know, I can't hide anywhere. I'm on the phone, like, booking a flight, and they're like, is this Nellie Olson from Little House? And <laughs> <laughs> it's a giveaway every time. Oh, that's great. I'm sure your hairstyle has changed a little bit over yeah, the years. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Not doing that again. Oh, I've always wanted to know, what's your favorite rock band? Like, oh, do you geez. like to rock out? I do. Well, um, my husband is in a band uh, called Catahoula. I like them. Um, and they sort of sound like a cross between Little Feet and Heart, so, you know, Ooh, with the New Orleans cool. thing. I like that. I'm a huge David Bowie freak. Um, I, um, who do I like now? Who did, oh, what are those? Um, those? Those strange boys with the odd, their band has an odd name. All good bands have an odd name. They do. Um, yeah, but, but I do. I like I like the actual rock and roll. I admit, I admit I'm classic rock. I'm not a boomer. I'm like Gen X, but yeah, I do. I like old rock. And speaking of of bands and music and albums, I read you put it out put out an album, but it was a comedy album. I know. Were you a stand up? Crazy. Oh, I am a stand up. I started doing stand up comedy when I was like fifteen, and uh, I kept at it. And then in the two thousands, I started doing my one woman show, Confessions of a Prairie. Well, it starts with B, rhymes with which. Yeah. I don't know how much you swear on your station. No, we but... don't. So thank you for that. I started to have a heart palpitation. <laughs> right? 
say, no, I can't say that on all the shows. You've got to be careful. Um, just Confessions of Prairie Bee. And it's all true stories from my life. And then um, I have a book, Confessions of it, and How I Survived Being Nellie Olson and Learned to Love Being Hated. Um, but I just did I just did uh, two sold-out weekends at the Sierra Madre Playhouse here in L.A. And uh, I'm going to be at the Lord Beachman in New York in May. And I'm going to – what am I doing this year? New York, Chicago, Nashville, Louisville, and I forget. Yeah. And then the next day, it's very exciting. Right? Did you, so I did, and I did. I did an album. I was, oh God, it was the seventies. Um, weird things went on in the seventies. Well, yeah. the, the the thing is, okay. So Carter was in the White House, and we had a little girl. We had a little girl. We had adorable Amy Carter in the White House. We hadn't had a kid in the White House in years, and she was blonde and adorable. But she was also kind of wonderfully bookish and nerdy and smart and cute with little glasses. So I was blonde and kind of bookish and nerdy. So I got these big glasses and did a shtick in my act was like, and now Amy Carter. Well, my mother was on a comedy album a hundred million years ago um, when they did a comedy album called, and collectors will know this, The First Family with Vaughn Meter about the Kennedys. Yes, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was hysterical. Leave it to Carney. My mother was the voice of Caroline and John John, the kids really? on it. So somebody said, well, wait a minute. Okay, your mother was Caroline Kennedy. Ha ha. Let's do an album where you're Amy Carter. And I went, yeah, what the, why not? I got nothing to do this weekend. And we, went, <laughs> we did it. We recorded it in a day, and then we played it that night for a group of friends and gave them pizza and beer, a lot of beer. And they laughed, and we, <laughs> and we put it out. And at the time, it was yeah, pretty darn good. I would say, I mean, I'm sure it's dreadfully dated now, but I've had people come up to me at autograph shows and go, oh, my God, I have a copy of this. Will you sign it? And no, it's still hysterical. I'm like, oh, great, good. So one more question on the comedy front. Was yeah. it? difficult for those fans to accept you when you were like the mean girl on Little House and were Little House fans like, what are you doing making with the jokes now? Which is why I wound up doing the one-on-one show. Yeah, initially there were people like, you know, and it was so weird, you know, when you're on TV, especially if you're an ex-kid actor and everything, people are like, oh, you shouldn't, you should try to like make a total, well, try to not talk about Little House. Okay, the thing's on in 140 freaking countries. We're now having this year's our 50th anniversary of Little House of the Prairie, and it's still on three, four times a day, and they're streaming it on Amazon. Girl, I hope you get residuals. That's all I'm going to say. I do, except the streaming. The streaming is bad. Good for you, though. We had the strike, and now we may get something. But if it's not streaming, like the regular reruns, yes, they send a check. It's very small. It's been 50 years. It's tiny now. It was great. Okay, reruns first started first week of reruns it was lovely it's been 50 years the checks are very small but by god they send them they send them by god good even if it's you know more than the stamp let's just go with that 29.99 i will take it absolutely okay we've got people texting in on our michael's bath tax line and from the 618 over in illinois they're saying hi carney is this uh nelly olson interview live Uh real time if so, could you have her say some mean things before she hangs up? <laughs> that would be fun. And somebody yeah. else says she's really hilarious. Weird. I know. It's Fifty years later, and people still they will like say, "Can you say who's going to do the cooking?" And country girls. And uh, luckily, I find that amusing. So yeah, I can still yeah. Yeah, at least you're nice about it. Not everybody is that was a child actor, right? Well, that's not what they're looking right. for. They right. Well, that's what they didn't me. get their money. You yeah. know, their parents stole their trust fund, and they're not getting residuals. So. I guess. Allison Armgrim with us, Little House on the Prairie, where it began, but certainly uh, a life of show business and entertaining us. And looking at your roots and the family, there was no Mm -hmm. doubt you were going to do what you do because 
Now, again, I'm leaning on Wikipedia for this, which often blows up right yeah. in my face. Right. But they said that your mom yes. was the voice of Casper and the voice of Gumby, damn it. My mother, my mother was Caroline and John John, the first family album. She was Gumby, which means also when Prickle and Goo showed up, she was Goo. She was Casper and Whoa. Nightmare and Wendy and Spooky. And she was Sweet Polly, Purebred, Underdog's Girlfriend, and Davy of Davy and Goliath. Oh, my wow. gosh. That And this right? is before Amazing. women had the opportunity to do that sort of thing. Very rare. Oh, it was huge. There were, okay, there were like a handful of people. This is what, like June Foray. June Foray. <laughs> Right, who was like Rocky and Rocky and Bullwinkle. There were like five women, maybe, who were the voices and did everything. And my mother was one of them. If you get, there's a book called The Magic Behind the Voices. She's like a whole chapter. She's one of those people. She's one of the famous cartoon people who did, yeah, she was in everything. Also on our Michael's Bath text line, I named my cat Nellie because she has a mean streak yeah. <laughs> after your character. I, I get this a lot. You know, people name their children Laura and Mary after the show. <laughs> they named the cats Nelly. I met someone in France. They named their cow Nelly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's funny. Good. That's what I get. <laughs> their cow. They name. I'm a cow. I'm a cow in. But I'm a cow in France. How touching. <laughs> How touching. Do you keep in touch with any of your old TV family? Oh, yeah. No, constantly. And the thing is, because we, we definitely, we blew it up for the 40th anniversary when we, we did a bunch of events. And the 50th, were out of control. Um, I, the, the tour opened with my show in, in Sierra Madre. And then my next thing is this, the St. Louis Working Women show. And yeah. then I go to France. And then I get back just in time to do the huge cast reunion uh, in Simi Valley, California, and jump on a plane, drive, hitch a ride, whatever. You should come. Because... It's um, Simi Valley, the weekend, 22, 23, 24th of March, the weekend of the 23rd of March. The entire cast is coming. We've got recreations of the sets. It's the memorabilia. It's going to be insane. I'm down for that. I I would do that in a heartbeat. You should come. And then it goes from there. I think we go go to Kentucky, and then we go to Missouri, and then we we go to Nashville at one point. We go to Branson. Um, We have huge cast reunions all year long because it's the 50th and we're like well what the heck let's do it did you ever come across jen landon who's become popular michael landon's daughter oh, in yellowstone fabulous. she is fabulous no because she was she's a, a bambino when i last year it's like people ask me if i knew chris landon the wonderful director who's done yeah. horror movies i'm like he was adorable he was too he was wearing water wings in the shallow end of the pool when i left so um yeah it's Days people are, but my generation, Landon had so many kids. My generation of Landon kids are Mike Jr. and Leslie. I knew that. That's <laughs> funny. My age. It just goes on and on. There's Landon's going all the way down to like high school. But Jen is amazing. And have you watched every now and then when Jennifer Landon makes a certain face and like scrunches up her nose? She looks like Michael Landon yeah. in a blonde wig. Like the eyebrows go and she has the dimples and it's like freakish. I have had that moment myself <laughs> watching Yellowstone. Yeah. Where you right. look I mean, like I knew Landon? him. And mm-hmm. she, she makes that face and I go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're going to be at the Working Women's Survival I Show. I am. Let's talk yes. about that. How? What are you going to talk about? Are you going to be answering questions? Are you going to be yes. making jokes? Are you going to be mean? All of the above. 
Oh, because we have um, always have Q and A. I have a Q and A in my stand back because people just got to know things. Um, I will be talking about well being, being a working woman myself. Um, I will be talking about business. I mean, I have loose gravel productions, and obviously, I've been figuring out how to get a, a New York Times best selling book and a hit stand up show and travel the whole country and produce a show in France and so on and so forth. Um, so, tips on being a working woman, as well as how I wrote the book and how I survive crazy ex-child stardom. And then, yes, I will be funny or try. And then I will uh. absolutely have a Q&A section because in my stand-up show, I literally have cards printed that say, ask Allison anything that we hand out to the audience beforehand. Wow, that's a dangerous little road to go down. It is, but mm-hmm. Little House fans are alarmingly nice. It's amazing. I've, I've been to so many cons and things where I meet the other celebrities and their fans are mean to them, and I'm like, that's not a fan. Um, Little House fans are nice. We, we Even even our stalkers are nice. It's, it's Friday, nice. don't say that, Friday, nice. February 16th, <laughs> 17th, and 18th, mm-hmm. the Working Women's Survival Show. You can go online to get those tickets, and you could ask, ask your question. If we and I'll be there all weekend. I'll be signing things and selling books and talking to people and meet and greets. And on the Sunday, you know, they have that big chef stage. They have a big cooking stage. They have a whole cooking stage with famous chefs and things. Okay, what is it everybody wants to see me cook? Cinnamon chicken, like the El Manzo episode. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I will All make right. cinnamon chicken live on stage. Cannot wait. Looking forward to it. The animal's, We're doing not, all the crazy stuff. The animal's not hurt, is it? <laughs> Sorry, just wondering. I do. I do eat the chickens. I don't eat cows. Weirdly, see cows. Maybe it's because cows are named after me. I don't know. Oh, oh that right. could be. I, I do eat the chickens, but but yes, we we all hang out together. Our cast, um, me and Dean Butler Almanzo, we've got a fiftieth anniversary commemorative podcast. We're doing. It's uh, so all of us prairie folk are all still hanging out together. It's lovely. Good stuff. Thanks Explains so much. Explains all the coffee. Um, working Woman Survival Show, 16th, 17th, yeah. 18th yeah. February, St. Charles Convention Center. We will see you then. You oh, yes, please. Thank you, you didn't say anything mean, though. Will you just say something mean before we leave? I guess I could say um, your paw smells like a dirty horse. Ouch. Could you say yeah, it again with yeah, more right? feeling? I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it's just so mean on the show. I don't know. I guess it was the stuttering episode was the meanest. That was really horrible. Oh. I made that poor child say Peter Piper picked a pick. I can't I can't even say it. And there no. I am torturing that kid. Say it louder. I can't hear you. It was oh. really creepy. It was so creepy. Wow. I was creepy. It was a good job, but I was creepy. <laughs> you were creepy. We'll see you at the Working Women's Survival yeah, Show. For sure. Then. It's going to be fun. Okay. Get here safely. Bye. I will. Bye. Wow. I'd like to borrow just a little bit of that energy, you know? She was fascinating. And the I thought she was about great. her mom. I had no idea. She yeah. was such an accomplished and voice actor. And she actor. still sounds like she did as a kid. And then it's like there's no faking that. Except she was nicer. That's going to do it for this week's Girl Talk. Go to KTRS.com slash girl dash talk to hear more. 